Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage, and there's no better team than ours to show you how to do it because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, we created the best-selling home study system titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. We have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business and have become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. That's because we not only talk the talk, we walk the walk day in and day out since 2005 through now. Two recessions and amassing a 2.5 million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming Self-Storage Academy. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab. Seating is limited. And on behalf of our team, we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self-Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 16 years, has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self-Storage Podcast. I am your host, Scott Myers. And on this week's episode, I'm going to be covering some of the questions that were brought up at our most recent Self-Storage Academy. Now, we've been holding our three-day academy since 2007. And even though the industry has evolved and the level of education and sophistication of the attendees has risen, we still see some of the same stumbling blocks and blind spots by both beginners and novices as they venture along the self-storage journey. So for the benefit of all, I thought I would answer a couple of those questions in our greater podcast community. We affectionately refer to as Storage Nation, that is you, to clear up some of the confusion that perhaps some of you may have as well. And we'll continue to grab some of these, our mailbag or our email bag from time to time from all of you who send questions in as well. So keep them coming and we'll be sure to cover them on a future quick tip episode. So the first question is, I was valuing properties at a seller underwriting of a 10 cap, as Scott has shown in his pre-academy videos. However, in your underwriting exercise, you were valuing these facilities at a 7 cap, even though interest rates are now even higher. Does that indicate a tighter market, meaning more competition to buy, or does that include or account for prior appreciation? So in case that question wasn't clear, of course, I always answer every question with, well, it depends. And it does in almost every instance. And so those of you that have watched up my videos or have our self-storage home course, home study course, we refer to a 10 cap because it's easy for math. And at the time, gosh, if any of you had an old copy when we began back in 2007, yeah, we were buying at a 10 cap, but we were buying at a 10 cap because interest rates are at eight or seven and a half. And so in our underwriting model, we build in a buffer. And again, this is where the depends really comes in with the capital D. We build in our model a two to three point or a percentage point buffer in our underwriting cap rate. So that means all things being equal, meaning if this facility is roughly, say 75, 80% occupied, it may not be fully stabilized, but it's not 50%. And rates, there may be some room to move them up, but there's not huge issues with the facility. In other words, when a 75 to 80% 
occupancy, the NOI and the purchase price would cover a debt service coverage ratio, say of 1.25 to 1.3 to 1, which is meaning the bank would underwrite this and it would move through. So again, all things being equal, just kind of a standard project that we put 20 to 25% down. Well, we're better than that, meaning we're better than buying it at a market cap rate. So I'm, I'm going to build in two and a half to three percentage points into it. And I want to be buying at a 10. If interest rates are at five, I need to be buying at a seven or seven and a half. Anybody could go into what we call jokingly the self-storage store, going into the Macy's or a department store and pay high prices and just pay retail for a self-storage facility. You go out where interest rates are seven and, and buy a facility at a seven cap. Well, that's not really much of a deal. You may have struggles getting it across the finish line anyway or getting an underwritten from a bank, but we're better than that. We buy better than that. And on the back end, we also know how to uncover more opportunities to raise the value even more. So we recommend strongly that if you're looking at, again, all things being equal, kind of a standard deal in the marketplace without a ton of upside, rents are closer to market and the occupancy is closer to stabilize in that 85 to 90% range, then we want to have that two to three percentage point buffer in there. And now not, not to confuse the issue, but just to understand, recognize that we buy facilities at a 0% cap rate which means that it may be 30 or 40% occupied. It's not covering the debt. You know, it's backwards. It's having to be fed. But that means that it's 20% occupied, 30% occupied at a 0% cap rate, which means that once we do what it is, whatever it is that we need to do to get it stabilized up to 80 to 85%, all things being equal, if we were to purchase it at that NOI in the future, that we would be receiving an 11%, 12, 13% cap rate on the project. So we look more to the exit valuation or a refinance valuation or really a terminal valuation, meaning once this thing is stabilized and at rental rates in the market being where they are, if we're at 85 to 90% occupancy, our concessions are burned off, our accounts receivable are in place, what is the NOI? And then applying a market cap rate, what's it worth? And so as part of our underwriting exercise, we not only look at where it is today to make an accurate valuation and offer on it, but more importantly, most importantly, where are we going to take it? So My point in all of this is don't get so hung up on the cap rates. That's why I say it depends. Because if it's at a 30% occupancy and the NOI is really, really low, then no, you're not going to be able to buy it at a 10 cap. You got to give them some valuation for the land and the building in order to buy it and get the thing done in the first place. But where are you going to take it? That is what determines the cap rate that you're going to buy. So hopefully that makes sense. And if it doesn't, well, then you can come to the academy and we'll go through the underwriting exercise or we can go through some of those other exercises. Stay tuned to some of the other videos as well as many that we put out. And we spend a lot of time on underwriting because that's obviously where the rubber meets the road. That's where value is created. That's where deals are made, just like any investment when you buy. And it's the underwriting piece and understanding how to underwrite properly and also underwrite a market that determines your success or lack thereof in this business. If you're already investing in self-storage and you're looking to grow and scale your business, then you need to join the self-storage mastermind. We formed the industry's first mastermind back in 2010, and we stacked it with the one percenters across the country who specialize in acquisitions, development, and syndication. This exclusive group of storage rock stars meets in once a quarter in private settings to combine business and VIP experiences that you won't find at any of the trade shows in Las Vegas or at the other copycat masterminds. So if you're looking to become part of an advanced community that openly shares best business practices, along with the largest pipeline of off-market deals and access to the top private equity resources, then you need to be in the room. So if you think you're a fit, then go to thestoragemastermind.com to apply. That's thestoragemastermind.com, and we'll see you on the inside. All right, question number two relates to why an LOI versus a contract? We've had this question come up several times in the debate, and this is more of a simple one. So why a letter of intent versus a contract? Scott, when do you use one versus another? Do you always use one? And first of all, letter of intent is uh, what LOI stands for. And that just means that it's usually a two-pager. It was created by our attorney, but it doesn't have a lot of legal terms and it's non-binding. So what an LOI does is it truly spells out the rate in the 
terms and the manner in which you're going to buy the property. So you're going to send this across to the seller. Um, it includes the price that you're going to pay, rate and terms, if there are terms, if there's going to be any seller financing that is held back as well, and the due diligence items that are needed, basically setting up the groundwork to say, hey, all these things are going to be in the purchase agreement when this comes across from our attorney. But what I would like to get to you from you, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, is I'm going to get to you a purchase agreement that says we're committed to buy this. Here's what we're expecting. And you've agreed to sell at this price and all things being considered that aren't in the purchase agreement right now. Here's a basic understanding of how this project is going to go down. So we send that across, get that signed from them. And then we begin to spend the money for due diligence and with our attorneys to craft the purchase agreement because we know that that is coming down the pike. Now in the past, there's been really a professional courtesy, call it a gentleman's agreement that when an a letter of intent comes across and has been accepted that the broker and or the seller, if there's a broker involved, just understand that, hey, this is coming. And what it means is just a professional courtesy that we probably shouldn't be marketing this um, as heavily or accepting a whole bunch of other offers, but only to find that what this has done, brokers and sellers have every right to do this. So don't get me wrong in this. And, and again, you sellers and many brokers out there, you have the right to contact folks and say, hey, we've got an offer on the table and LOI has been written if you want to get something and you can do it right now. But it doesn't really give license to shop that around and share that. At least you shouldn't as a broker or as a seller. We know that that has been the case sometimes. So our practice has been to strictly go to a purchase agreement. And so we do have a boilerplate template that'll work in pretty much every state. We also have very state specific, you know, we were operating in 30 plus states now. And so we've got a purchase agreement that works in every state. And so we tend to instead lead with an LOI, we'll lead with the purchase agreement and then leave a short window of time for acceptance so that it doesn't get shopped around. And if it expires, it expires. And if they want to come back to us, that's great. Or we'll just follow up and just say, well, it's expired. And we may change the rates and the terms of the agreement, or we may not. Now, in some instances, depending upon the seller, it may be a bank, it may be a larger company in which they've stated or indicated to any potential buyer or the broker may say to any buyer, hey, the seller has stated that they want an LOI, a letter of intent first review before a purchase agreement is sent. And so if that is the case and that is protocol, then we will follow that protocol for sending our offers in. But usually if that is the case and it's a competitive situation, we don't always win. Just saying. It doesn't mean that in, in every instance, but we will craft then multiple offers typically. And we can cover that in a, another session, but an all cash offer, some with terms and then others, if we can determine from the seller or from the broker, what is the true motivation of the seller? A delay? Do they want terms? Do they want to hold some debt on this so that they can defer some capital gains? What is their motivation to sell this? And then we will do our best to craft an offer that meets their needs and put us in the best light so that we can beat our competition or at least to get to the table to make sure that we put our hat in the ring. So there's a reasons behind the question was why an LOI versus a contract. And that's how we approach it because sometimes it's dictated by the seller or the broker and other times it is necessary and it's a protocol. In the instance in which we are sending off and in the driver's seat, there's nobody else around that we know that's bidding on it, then we will go immediately to contract and submit that across as well. So with that, this has been another quick tip series. We're going to cover just a couple of questions today. So a couple of nuggets each time, maybe three, depending upon the level of and the magnitude of the questions and the level of detail that we need to go into. But as we head into this next year and in this next market cycle, we'll be able to remove those roadblocks to be able to uncover the blind spots and hopefully get you to the place where there is less friction to go out into the marketplace because it is going to be an absolute wild ride in 2023. We've been preparing for this for a while. Now that the recession is in full swing, self-storage is in full swing. 
this is our time to shine and we couldn't be more excited. We hope the rest of you in Storage Nation is as well. And so here we are. Your Sherpa is ready to take you up the mountain and to be able to make sure that you do it uh, safely by uncovering some of these challenges. So with that, keep those questions coming in into the mailbag just to email us. Um, you're following us everywhere. We know that right now. Send it through the podcast. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on YouTube. Of course, selfstorageinvesting.com is the best place to be able to send an email across, but to keep them coming. We will answer your question on a future podcast as we begin to ramp things up in 2023. All right. Thanks, gang. We'll check in with you next time. Take care. Hey, gang. Wait. Three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the following subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.